news and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. too long at the honky-tonk, spending too much just to tie one on. Less right and a lot more wrong, sounds like something I'd do. Thanks, Calling in sick when the fish hey, are Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. We are still working through some kinks in here, but we're getting it done. Um, I, this is what I've called this guy the savior of country music. Drake Milligan is this guy's name. So uh, while we're talking about big issues of the day, we're still having a little bit of fun. And we are going to talk about a serious issue. We're going to couple some things we've talked about all morning long. Uh, we've been talking about inflation rates, what's going on with the price of food. I've also talked about energy prices. Um, and this interesting story, uh, and this is what I talk about policy. I use that word a lot. And I think we would go much further politically. And I, I'm, I'm probably completely wrong because if the negative ads and the personal attacks didn't work, if it wasn't effective in an election cycle, I, I think people would stop doing them. But I look back at the people that have been, and I, you know, I talked so much about Reagan this morning, but, and I've been, a, you know, I'm a Republican, so Reagan is kind of the standard in the Republican Party. But if you look back at the Democrats, uh, Barack Obama was a phenomenal communicator and a motivator of people. I didn't agree with his policies. I didn't agree what he did as president. But he was able to captivate people when he spoke. When he spoke about hope and change, um, people believed it. Now, whether or not we agree that he actually changed things and made them better, that's a political decision. But he was able to motivate people. Bill Clinton was an amazing communicator on many levels, connected with people, was loved even when he did such things that people thought was horrible. With an intern in the White House, the guy was still loved, but he was the ability for him to communicate. And what's interesting is if you notice, there aren't many people that are staunch in their party beliefs than Bill Clinton and Barack Obama. But the ability for Bill Clinton to strike up a rapport and a friendship after the presidency with George H.W. Bush, and they were political enemies. It was Clinton that knocked him out of office, knocked W or H.W. out of office. And yet they went on humanitarian efforts together as time went on. And and so they were able to to bury the political hatchet, so to speak. Um, Here's a story about policy, and this is what if I, I would – this is, would be my focus. I'm never running for an office. I mean I guess they say never say never because then you end up – that ends up biting you later. But I cannot foresee a scenario where I would say yes to running for a public office. I can't imagine it. Um, I don't want to get in the mud. I don't. You know what they say, arguing with the pit. Um, arguing in the mud with a pig is something you figure out sooner or later you figure out the pig enjoys it. It's just not my thing. I don't want to get into it because if you lose – you're a horrible candidate, and if you win, you got to go and do that job, and I don't want to be down there. Um, but let's talk about the policies that are good for the American people. If you believe that climate change is the number one issue that the country and the world is facing, then President Biden is your guy. I played earlier some Reagan audio, and Reagan uh, pl- asking people very simply in, in the election when he beat Jimmy Carter in 1980, when he ran for election in 1980 and won, they had a debate. It was the only televised debate between the two of them, and the debate happened a couple of days before Election Day. And Ronald Reagan, and I believe it was part of almost his closing statement, he said to the American people, are you better off than you were four years ago? If you are, vote the way you're voting. 
case, is it, is it easier to buy things at the store? Is it easy? And he went down the list of problems America was facing in 1980. And he said, if you, if you believe we're on the right track, then you have an option. But if you don't, I want to give you a different option. It was about policy. He never attacked Jimmy Carter personally. He just thought he was a, a bad president. Um, so here's a policy issue. The Biden administration is going after and canceling oil leases. There is one on tribal land, the Navajo tribal land in western New Mexico. You know that the the Navajo Nation goes across northern Arizona and also into New Mexico. And on tribal land in northern Arizona, there I'm sorry, uh, in western New Mexico, there is uh, an oil lease that's there, and there's an American oil company that's drilling, and the tribe gets royalties on the oil that is produced there from the oil companies. The tribe is saying, first of all, it's working. There is new technology. It's safe. It is not destroying the land. They've even gone as far as say, listen, we are Native Americans. We hold the land to be sacred. We would not do anything that would destroy the land. And tribal, the tribes have been very um, emphatic a lot of times about being against some mining and other things that they think would be detrimental to the land. But in this case, they're saying, A, it's working. It's profitable for us. Why would you stop? Well, I bring this up as a policy issue, and it's not it's not apples to apples, but it is the policy in general. Um, the John Kerry traveling to Africa and telling African nations not to do these natural gas um, projects that would you know help them power villages and towns and cities that don't have electricity because of climate change. While the guy travels the world on a private jet, the American people are going to pay about 7.5% more per kilowatt hour this year than they did last year. It's going to cost dramatically more to heat your home if you live in an area where that's going to be necessary. So you couple that with what's going on with food, and we there's no doubt. It, it's, it's a simple – it's simple math. The policies of the Biden administration could be reversed if not temporarily, and I will tell you. The the way we are with American presidents and the track record where American presidents get reelected on a grand scale, largely you don't change horses unless you think something is dramatically wrong. If Joe Biden were to come out with a speech, and I certainly – you know me and where I stand politically. I don't want to give him advice that would make things better for him. But it would be better for the American people if he came out and he said – I have been very clear since before I ran for president. I made a promise that what I would do as president, that climate change was something that the entire world has to face. And it is the biggest issue this world is facing. It's the biggest national security issue we have. And I believe that to be true. But the American people are hurting. Inflation is going up all over the world, not just this country, all over the world. And the policies we have in place are contributing to higher prices. We know that without having these oil leases or the national Natural gas things that we have done with restrictions through the EPA have driven up the price of natural gas across the world. Americans are going to be paying too much to heat their homes this winter in addition to how much more money they're paying for the food that they have to eat. So we are going to suspend some of these policies very temporarily until we get a handle on inflation to ease the wallets and the costs to the American people. I wouldn't call him a hero, but I guarantee you his poll numbers would double. Because what he is saying to his base is climate change is still the issue that faces the world. But I cannot face climate change the way we need to based on what it's doing 
to the working class in America that is paying the freight on this. He'd be a hero. But when you look at what's happening, the policies of this administration are contributing to all of this stuff. It is a major contributor. There's no doubt about it. And you can try to say it's not true, but you're not going to do you're not going to be very effective. All right, 1120, we do something called Did You Hear This? We're going to do this coming up here in just a couple of moments, so stick around for it. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up on the headlines. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Today is National Voter Registration Day, and here in the Valley, there are about 4 million people registered to vote. But there's room for that number to grow. There are more than a million adults out there who are not signed up to vote. Why is it important to register to vote? I just think that if everybody has political opinions, I think we all have opinions on what direction the country should go. And once you reach age where you can vote, you are paying taxes. You should have a voice in where your tax dollars go. But most of all, be a part of the process where people are clamoring to come to this country to vote for leadership. If people look at elections here, we need to make sure that we have them fair and free and people believe in them. But as a citizen of the United States, I think it is not just a right. I think it's an obligation to cast your vote for the leadership that you think is best for this country. Not just be a voter, be an informed voter. There is a new record for number of crossings at the southern border. Apprehensions topping 2 million for the first time ever. That's a 175% increase from last August. Do you see anything being done to curb this issue? No, I don't. And that's the biggest uh, dilemma I have is that the the idea, you know, the president's promise was when he came into office, there would be more humane treatment of people at the border. And if anybody is paying close attention to what's happening at our border, there is nothing humane that is happening there. There is nothing humane about the cartels, their treatment of people before they come, while they are bringing them, and after they get here. The cartels effectively control the border. The fentanyl and methamphetamines and other drugs that are pouring across our border because of what's happening. It is an abysmal failure at every level. It is a Democrat president that's doing it, but it's an American problem, and every American should be outraged about it, and we should demand that Washington do something. If we don't, it doesn't get fixed. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to get you caught up on the headlines. All eyes are on the Federal Reserve as it is expected to announce another raise in interest rates. It is trying to slow down high prices in the economy, trying to slow down inflation while not tipping the economy into a full-blown recession and and having a huge rise in the unemployment rate. It's a real question if they're going to be able to do that. Do you think raising the interest rates is a good idea? I'll tell you, I never think it's a good idea, but sometimes it's necessary. In order to slow down inflation, there are things that we are going to have to do. And one of those things that we have to do is (laughs) slow down the economy. But how do you not push it into recession if you go even higher? than what it is now. There are people being priced out of homes, and it is in direct correlation, but interest rates for homes go up a little bit as well. We have seen that happen and slow down the housing market, but what happens to people trying to borrow money to expand a business? Do people start laying people off? If money is more expensive to borrow, it costs businesses more money to do business, it's just a very tough place to be in, and I don't see how we could possibly slow down the economy without being in a full-blown recession. I don't think it's possible. 
Comedian Bill Maher explains the definition of the word presentism. Which means judging everyone in the past by the standards of the present. It's the belief that people who lived 100 or 500 or 1,000 years ago really should have known better. Do you think today's voters are swayed by past social media posts or actions? Well, we talked about this earlier. When Bill Maher hits the nail on the head, it's funny because, you know, we are so different politically. But I've been saying the exact same thing, just not as clever as he is. He is such a clever speaker, and I am not nearly as clever as he is. But talking about presentism, holding people accountable. I talked about the founding fathers. One of the things I've said many, many times is do you believe the founding fathers would be would own slaves today if they could? The answer is no way they would. I've used another example of the great Martin Luther King Jr. and what he did for the civil, right, civil rights movement. But if you look at his writings in the 1960s as a Christian pastor, he hated homosexuality. He called it many things. He had horrible things to say about the gay community throughout some of his writings. Does anybody believe that if a 21st century Martin Luther King Jr. existed, would he have moderated his views? We all understand that what you did in the customs of a time you lived in live in that time capsule. You can't project them on the future, and that's what Mara was talking about. So I do think people are held accountable for their actions. But when you go back and look at what somebody did when they were 16, 18, 20, 21, I was far different at 25 than I am at 55. And if I had Twitter back then, oh my gosh, I don't know what you'd find that I might have said that would embarrass me, but I guarantee you there'd be something. Great job, Julie. As always, that is Did You Hear This for Another Day. We'll do it again tomorrow at 1120. That that Bill Maher stuff is excellent. I'm going to see if I can maybe play some of it for you a little bit later in the show where he talked about presentism. And I, I think that's part of it. Um, the cancel culture, as we know it, is riddled with hypocrisy. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I'll give you an example. I have about 30 seconds, so I'll give you an example. Um, watch Dave Chappelle's latest special. Um, there are times when Dave Chappelle cracks a joke and you go, ooh, like, oh, my gosh, you know, and there's other times you laugh your head off. And there he offends everybody, but it's funny. I know that sounds silly, but it's not meant to be offensive. It is an observation that makes you laugh. And what's interesting is the reason why he was going to be canceled is not because he's offensive. It's because he offended the trans community, the LBGTQ plus community. And for whatever reason, he, he talks about a joke where he talks about a scenario where I think it's uh, um, uh, the rapper DaBaby is, is a guy that went on, a, on an anti-gay rant on stage and they wanted him canceled. And during this monologue where he's talking about this, he tells a real story about this rap artist that was, I think, in Florida. He shot and killed somebody in a Walmart. He said he shot and killed somebody in a Walmart. Didn't ruin his career. But he hurt the feelings of gay people. He needs to be canceled. And it points out the hypocrisy. And, you know, he cracked a joke about Mike Pence. He cracked jokes about Republicans and white people and Democrats and everybody. And they were cutting and they were the same kind of jokes. But there's a group of people that believe they can tell you there are certain groups of people that are off limits. And you can't make fun of them. You can't crack jokes about them. And if you do, you're going to be canceled. And I just think you only are canceled if you allow them to cancel you. You know, I don't ever want to offend people, but if I offend you inadvertently and you want me canceled, that's your problem. That's not my problem. That's why I like Twitter so much, because I don't take it seriously. I don't take it seriously at all. Coming up in a moment.
We're going to talk about the border issue. We're going to dive in a little deeper about what's happening now between Texas, Florida, Martha's Vineyard, New York. All of it coming up next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Would it surprise anyone if I told you how much I love Marilyn Manson's music? I just do. I can I guess it's my guilty pleasure. I love Marilyn Manson. I know it's a sacrilege. I get it. Whatever. You know, remember all of us out there that are saying that Marilyn Manson is the Antichrist. We're all fans of Alice Cooper. And that's just a reincarnation of Alice Cooper. And Alice Cooper is one of the nicest, most philanthropic people on the planet. I want to talk about um, this Bill Maher thing. I was going to talk about the border, and I might get to it in a minute. But earlier today, we talked about social media posts of the past and the cancel culture and what happens to people. Um, Bill Maher is an interesting person because Bill Maher is somebody that politically I would probably disagree with most of the time. But what I love about Bill Maher is he has an ability I don't have. He has a humorous look at things where he can go after his own party and he doesn't back away when he thinks they're wrong. He goes after them with the same cutting humor that he goes after people on the other side of the aisle. And he was going after something called presentism. And what presentism is that you take the cultural norms of today and you put them on people years ago. So I want you to hear something in a moment where he talks about slavery. But I want to describe something first. When I was a kid in the 1970s, when I was a little kid, and many of you can back me up on this, I think the number one television show in America at one time was a show called All in the Family. It featured a guy named Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker was a misogynistic, um, racist, uh, homophobic dude, and you loved him. I know that sounds crazy, but he was a lovable character, even though he was all of those things. And there were so many shows that were spinoffs of All in the Family. And he used to tell his wife to dummy up and go get me a beer. And he was one of those kind of husbands, and he cracked racist jokes. Uh, There was a Mexican family that lived by. The Jeffersons lived by. They're a black family. And all the jokes were racist. All the jokes were sexist. All the jokes were misogynistic and homophobic. What you didn't talk about then was sex. Um, Lucy, if you remember, uh, Lucy and Desi had a child, but in their bedroom, there was a nightstand between two twin beds. Married couple didn't even sleep in the same bed. It was a big deal on All in the Family. His daughter lived with them, and her son-in-law, Meathead, was the son-in-law, and uh, his daughter was pregnant. And she came out and said the word pregnant on TV. And that was a big deal in the 1970s. Now, everything is sexual. Everything is overtly sexual and graphically sexual in some ways. And the only time you can get away with those kind of other jokes, sexist, homophobic humor, is if you animate it. If you're Family Guy or you're The Simpsons. So it's just changed. You can't. You can't get mad at me because I laughed at all in the family or my parents let me watch that show in the 1970s because it's not culturally appropriate now. And that's what Mar is talking about. He takes on the topic of slavery and I want you to hear what he had to say about slavery. This is interesting. The way people talk about slavery these days, you'd think it was a uniquely American thing that we invented in 1619. But slavery throughout history has been the rule, not the exception. And he goes on to talk about slave owners in America. He said everyone that could afford slaves owned a slave, including people of color. 
Those are historically accurate statements by Bill Maher. And the reason why they are important is because I will tell you, I don't use the N-word. I never will. I Even in jokes, I don't think it's funny. Uh, because I think it's something that we looked at the horrors of slavery throughout world history. And we forged a new country where we said in our founding documents that all men are created equal. And then we adhered to an old custom of slavery, and we needed to change it faster than we did, but we changed it. Then we had the Civil Rights Movement, where the Jim Crow laws changed the e- to equal treatment of people under the law. So we have to remember our history. We also have to remember that the people cannot be held accountable for the 1700s in 21st century America. We're taking down statues, and we're changing names of schools of founders of this country because they own slaves at a time when people of color own slaves. This is presentism, and it's destroying American history. I want you to hear one more from him, at least one more. Uh, this is him talking about the conflict when the narrative uh, conflicts with the truth. And the capacity for cruelty is a human thing, not a white thing. That's the truth, even though it doesn't jibe with the current narrative. But in today's world, when truth conflicts with narrative, it's the truth that has to apologize. It's amazing. And there's no other place than in comedy where we're seeing that. I never thought I would utter these words, but I'm going to say them. It is going to be stand-up comedy that saves the First uh, Amendment in America. Guys like um, Bill Burr, who I think is a brilliant comedian. I think Bill Burr is one of the funniest guys on the planet. I just watched the Ricky Gervais special. And there are times during the Ricky Gervais special where he says things, and you literally groan at the TV and go, oh, at what he said, but he finds a way to be brilliantly funny. Now, here's a guy that if you think about it, I would be in complete disagreement. I even tweeted at him years ago at one of his specials, which was called Humanity, and he was making fun of the religious right in America, and I w- I'm part of that. I mean, let's be honest. I'm a, I'm a conservative Christian, and he is a self-affirmed atheist, but he talked about defending people's First Amendment rights on Twitter, and bigots have a right to be bigots, and I, I tweeted out at him, and he actually retweeted me, say, saying, I don't agree with him on probably anything, but he's hysterically funny, and he's right on the money about some things, and there, it's humor. And what we've seen uh, Dave Chappelle do, and they call him the goat for a reason. He is just got a brilliant way of telling stories, making a very important point, and at the same time make you laugh. And he can do it talking about the most inappropriate things on the planet. And, you know, you, you just have to roll with it. And the funny thing about it is no one forces you to buy a ticket. No one forces you to download the specials. No one forces you to watch them. They don't force you to do it. And then people get upset when somebody they never are going to pay to see says something they don't want to hear and you want them to be silenced. And this is the fight. And a guy like a Bill Maher is part of the you know he's a stand up comedian at heart and a brilliantly funny guy and if i sat down and talked with him for an hour we'd probably spend 45 minutes of it arguing this wokeism stuff has got to stop. So here's what I'm going to do. I've got one more segment of the show, and there's one more thing I want you to hear when we come back from Bill Maher talking about being woke, which I find hysterically funny that somebody connected to the political left is calling out wokeism. You're going to hear it before the show ends. Next. Next. 
song going out to the Raider fans. Yeah, we get to brag a little bit in Arizona after the comeback. Sorry. Just give us some time, all right? Um, been talking about wokeism, and, and I think the brilliance of what Bill Maher says. Uh, he's a guy, I, I've talked about this guy before, too, here in town. Uh, the guy that does mornings over uh, over at KUPD, Holmberg, and, and his show. There's another guy that can take the most serious topics and make them funny. But there are things that they can say on that radio station that I could never get away with. They were talking about some stuff this morning in their first segment on my way into the radio station that I could never get away with talking about just because of the two different formats. You have to know who your audience is. But to tell somebody that they're silenced, to cancel somebody because of what they said. Here's one more thing I want you to hear Bill Maher talk about. And this is about – he talks about woke being a moral time machine. This is, this is so on point. Being woke is like a magic moral time machine where you judge everybody against what you imagine you would have done in 1066 and you always win. And he's 100% right. What is culturally appropriate right now will not be culturally appropriate in 20 years. I can tell you for most of us, um, I, I, my grandfather is my hero. My grandfather, my mother's father, who died when I was nine years old, is absolutely, without a doubt, the hero of my life. He is the male role model that formed any good qualities as a man in me were formed of, from watching him. By today's standards, he would be a racist, and he wasn't. He was a good man. But we're talking about 1976. We have evolved, and we should. We are going to change. What is culturally appropriate now won't be in 20 years. When we were kids and we couldn't believe the things that our parents said, when we became parents, our kids can't believe what we say. Things change. We were just having a conversation off the air. I've said this so many times. There is a difference in this world, in America, in what you can say and what you should say. You know, you have to watch it. You talk to people that have come from communist countries. Talk to people that have come from Cuba and what happens when you speak out against the government, when the brown shirts show up at your house because your neighbor or somebody in your family has said that you're talking about the government. You're speaking anti-government rhetoric and see what happens. In America, that sounds so foreign to us, and yet we've got a culture of people in this country that are changing us um, because they don't like what we say. I was just using this example, and if you've listened to the show, you've probably heard me say this. I have a right to speak my mind. If I'm at a mall or I'm in a park or I'm somewhere, I have the right to point at a family and say, those are the ugliest children I've ever seen in my life. Now, if I do that, I deserve to be ridiculed. I deserve everybody within earshot that heard me say it, condemn me and talk about what a horrible human being I am. But you can't arrest me for it. And if somebody, if the, one of the parents smacks me in the face for saying it, they're going to go to jail. That's the First Amendment. Does that mean I should say it? No. You have to know the difference between what you can say and what you should say. There's a, you know, there's a big difference, but we're canceling people. We are taking away people's livelihoods because they dare think something's funny that you don't. And it's not everywhere. It's not, because there would be no humor unless you were poking fun at someone. It's not fun. You have to make fun of something in order for the joke to be funny. There has to be a hint of truth to it. Or there ha you know, we all understand that. 
I am so jealous of the brilliantly funny people in this world that a Bill Burr that can take his angry childhood. I've said a hundred times that Bill Burr didn't uh, didn't. Um, steal my act. He stole my life. I, I listened to him talk about how he was raised and what it was like in his house and the anger that was there from his dad and everything else. And I laugh out loud because I think, man, that was my childhood. And I tell stories about my childhood that I think are funny. Nothing like the way they turn them into. The same with what Bill Maher did there. I've been talking about this wokeism stuff for such a long time. Not nearly as clever as how Bill Maher did this eight minutes. You know, and uh, I believe I truly believe it's going to be comedians. It's going to be the Eddie Murphy's of the world and the the late Richard Pryor and the people that are on the cutting edge that are out there today. The Bill Burrs and the and the Ricky Gervais. And, of course, um, Dave Chappelle. It's going to be people like that that save the First Amendment because we all want to laugh. And it's funny how when you listen to a comedian, there are some jokes you laugh at harder than others. Some hit home and make you laugh. Some of them may offend you. But it's humor, and it's it's not just the jokes. It transcends everything else. People have a right to be a bigot. That doesn't mean you want them working for you, but we don't arrest them. We, we don't take their livelihoods away. Kevin Hart doesn't get to do an award show because years before, he tweeted out some homophobic jokes. So they cancel him and say he can't do it. It's absurd. It is absolutely absurd. If you think about what we have done in our lives. You think about some of the things you've said and done when you were younger and you cringe. Thank God there wasn't social media. Thank God we didn't have Twitter then. Because if we did, I would be canceled. I would have been canceled a long time ago. I'm not close to the same person I am at 55 as I was at 45. Never mind 25 or 15. Holding people accountable with presentism is absolutely ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. We're out of time. Uh, so if you're a social media user, you can find me on Twitter at BroomheadKTAR. Love the interaction and the conversation. And if you are on Instagram, you can find me on Instagram, Mike Broomhead. All one word. Would love to stay in touch between shows. And uh, keep, me, keep in touch. I want to make sure that we're in touch. I'll be back tomorrow morning. Until then, God bless.